Why is it that with sparkling water, I'm always playing guessing games with what flavor I'm drinking? Is it citrus? Is it aluminum can flavored? Mm, not sure. Sparkling ice, though, they really mean flavor. Like in-your-face flavor. Orange mango, black raspberry. Don't even get me started on the strawberry lemonade. Kiwi Strawberry slid right into my taste buds DMs last night and let them know who's boss. No subtleties there and no sugar either. But it does have vitamins and antioxidants. Find sparkling ice at a major grocery store or club retailer near you. Sparkling ice. Anything but subtle. Welcome to Baldhead Bible Podcast, making the Bible come to life, featuring the expository story preaching of Dr. John Katzian. Moses is in Midian with the Midianites, and he's a sheep herder, and he's 80 years old, and he looks over, and he sees this bush burning. He's like, Whoa, what is that? What is that burning there? I mean, I've seen lightning strikes before, but this bush just keeps on burning. It doesn't go anywhere. He's like, what is that? And it says literally in Exodus chapter 5, he goes, hey, I have got to check this out. I've got to look at this. Wouldn't you, a bush that keeps burning but never burns out, just keeps burning and burning and burning, you're like, hey, i got to go check this out. Whoa, so he goes over and he checks it out. And as he gets near to it, he finally hears it. Moses says, the angel of the Lord calls out to him from the bush. Moses, you know, he's standing there looking at it. It's probably not this little fire. It's big. He's like, whoa, what is this? I wonder if it's oil or, you know, he's thinking, what is it? And then Moses, and he's like, can you imagine? He's been waiting and waiting to hear from the Lord. Because remember, he thought he was going to go right back in and deliver his people, right? But he'd get kicked out because he'd murdered someone. Do you remember that? And he thought the Lord would bring him back, but he'd waited 40 years. And then finally, he hears from God. And Moses, take your sandals off because you are standing on holy ground. The word holy means separated. This is special land. You do not stand here with anything. You respect it. And so he takes off his sandals, throws them to the side, and he goes, I am the Lord, the God of your father, Abraham. Yes. Jacob, Isaac, I am the God of your fathers. And it says when he hears that, in response to hearing God, he drops to his knees and he just can't look up. He's so afraid, but he's so thankful. He was a Jew raised in an Egyptian court. He'd heard about Yahweh all his life. And now, 80 years later, for the first time in his life, he hears from God and his response is, I can't look up. God says, I love you, you're awesome, you're great. Hey, you know what? I just want to embrace you and hug you. No, he doesn't say anything like that. He says, Moses. And Moses goes simply with a reply, here am I. Hey, I'm here. What do you want? Totally different from this rash king, right? This rash prince. He's learned humility and he goes, I'm here. What do you want? And it's funny to me. God just says, hey, I want you to get up. I want you to go back to Egypt, 
And I want you to set my people free. He didn't tell him how wonderful he was, how great he was. He says, I want you to serve other people. You know, too often we think God's about us, about making me feel good or about how great we are. It's not. God's about, you know what? I want to use you to accomplish great things on my behalf. I want you to serve other people. I want you to get up. I want you to go and let my people go. I want you to deliver them. I hear their cries. I want you to bring them out of Egypt. Now, again, how old's Moses? He's been waiting to hear from God. His response is, first of all, well, you know, who am I? Again, this is a totally different Moses. Before he was this prince who'd been educated, the greatest math, the greatest algebra, the greatest writing hieroglyphics he'd been in battles. And now he simply falls down on his knees and he says, who am I to go? I'm nothing. I'm just a shepherd on the backside of the desert. I've been trying to herd sheep and goat together, and I still can't get them to go on a straight line. I am nothing. I'm nothing. Who am I? And God says, I am awesome. I am God. God uses whoever, because it's not you who gets all the credit. It's God behind you who gets all the credit. It's not your abilities. It's God who is behind you that should get all the glory. God loves to use the weak, the ugly, the untalented, the smelly, the short, the bald, the fat. He doesn't care. The key is, are you willing to follow him? And he responds to him by saying, I am the God who knew your fathers. I will be your buckler. I will be your shield. I'll be everything. But then he goes, well, what if I go there, God? And and they say, who sent you? And then he says this miraculous thing. He says, you know what, Moses? I'm going to give you my name. My name is, not John, not Frank. He says, my name is I am that I am. Tell him I am sent you. Now, isn't that a weird name? I am sent you. Tell them, I am sent you. What sort of name is that? Well, the word I am that I am, or I will be that I will be, literally spells out the word Yahweh. And the people who wrote the Bible were so in revere that name, they wouldn't even write it down. They wouldn't even say it. So they came up with the name Jehovah, the Lord. Tell them, the Lord sent you. That's my name. And I want you to tell the people of Israel all about me. Not about Moses, not about how great you are, but tell them, I am sent you. Go in my name, Moses. I just want to encourage you. You know, he goes, this is a mighty name. I want to encourage you, don't take the Lord's name in vain. In fact, that's one of the Ten Commandments, you know? God cares about his name, and not so much his name, but if you call yourself a Christian, what sort of name are you telling to your friends about this God that you serve? What are they picking up about your God from the way you act on the playground, the way you act in school? You represent God, and Moses was going to go represent God to his people, and he said, I'm going to give you my name. I am Jehovah. Go in my name. So Moses objects. He's like, well, you know, who am I? And then he goes, well, what should I say? And then he goes, finally, he goes, but 
But, but what if they don't believe me? Just look at me. I'm 80. I'm a shepherd. I got this nasty beard. And, you know, I don't even know. They won't believe me. Now, what does a shepherd use to guide his sheep? A staff. So God says to Moses, all right, I want you to take your staff. Now, this is a momentous moment in the history of man. And I want you to remember this. Never before has God given his power to a man until this point. He'd done miracles. He'd done other things. But this is the first point. He gave his divine power and he said, Moses, I want you to show that you are something special. I want you to take the staff in your hand and I want you to throw it to the ground. So he's holding the staff. And probably was a big stick made out of ironwood or something really tough that he used to prod the sheep. And he goes, all right. And he just threw it to the ground and oh, it became a snake. Snake wiggling back and forth. I would have been like, what? I would have climbed a tree or hid behind a bush or hid behind a sheep or something. It was a snake. Took his wooden staff became a snake. And he goes, God says, I now want you to pick it up by the tail. Would you pick up a snake by the tail? I, I would be scared to death to pick up a snake by the tail. I've seen the crocodile hunter before he died do it, but I could never pick up a snake by the tail. But Moses is like, all right, all right. And he, and he picks up the snake and becomes a staff again. So that'll be a sign that I'm sent from you. The staff turns into a snake. The second sign, take your hand, Moses, and I want you to put it in your tunic or between your shirt. I want you to shove it in there. When Moses did that, when he pulled it back out, it was leprous. It was covered with, like, it looked horrible. It had disease. It was, it was like the cancer of its day. It looked horrible. And Moses is like, oh, my goodness, this is horrible. This is, And he goes... Then God said, put your hand back in, and he put it back in, and he pulled it back out, and whew, it was back to normal. So his rod turned into a snake. God turned his hand into this leprosy, this horrible thing. But then he healed him, and then he finally said, if they still won't believe that, I want you to take water. And they're not certain if he did this or if he just told them about it. Take water and pour it on the ground, and it turns into blood. So those are the three signs when I send you Moses. Show the people, if they don't believe you, do those three signs and they will believe you. Would you believe somebody if they did those three signs in front of you? I certainly would. But then finally Moses goes, you're talking to me, God. I guess you're for me. Mighty God, I fall in your name. I do these three miracles. That's awesome. But I can't speak. I'm just not eloquent enough. It looks like that Moses might have had a speech impediment. He might have stuttered or something like that. He goes, I'm just, I, 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 like that. I can't talk. I can't talk. And God says, I'm the one who created the mouth. I'm the one who gave you life. I will give you the words to say. Don't worry, Moses. You know what, if God's called you to do something and sometimes you're like, I'm not the cool kid. Should I really tell that kid about Jesus? Should I really invite him to church or wanna? If you feel like God's told you to do something, I want to encourage you. God will give you the words to say what you need to say in the moment you need to say it. You don't need some great speech. Just follow God. 
Notice, Moses objects. God tells him all these things I'll do for you. And then finally, Moses says, please, anyone but me, anyone but me. He'd been beaten. He'd tried before. He got kicked out of Egypt. He'd been on the backside of the desert. He had sheep for the past 40 years. He feels like he's a nobody. He goes, anybody but me, Lord. And this is where finally God's anger was kindled. And he's like, Moses, I will send Aaron with you. And he will talk. If you're too afraid to speak, Aaron will speak. If you're too afraid to talk to Pharaoh, Aaron will talk to Pharaoh. I will send him with you. Now, get up and go. So Moses gets up and steps out in faith. It says again in Hebrews chapter 11, not fearing the wrath of Pharaoh. And he goes. And on the way, he meets his brother Aaron. And they go all the way back to Egypt, to the land of Goshen, right? They were in Goshen. And he comes to the elders of Israel, and throws down his staff, it becomes a snake, turns his hand and the leprosy, pulls it back out, everything's fine. And he goes, I am sent you. And you know what the people do? They go, yes, our deliverer's here. And they listen to Moses, and they're like, this is great, we'll follow you. The plan's working. So then Moses goes into Pharaoh, king of Egypt, the most powerful country of its day. He walks in. He's this, again, straggly-looking shepherd, and he goes all the way up to Pharaoh, and he says, Pharaoh, let my people go. He's standing there with Aaron beside him, and Pharaoh's probably up on this throne looking down. He says, let my people go. We just want to go out, worship our God for three days. Please let my people go. You know what Pharaoh says? Pharaoh says, no. In fact, he not only says no, he goes, who is this God, Jehovah, that you talk about? Who is this God? We have lots of gods here in Egypt. In fact, Egypt at the time had 80 different gods. And they had gods of the land, the river, and the sky. So he's like, I've never heard of this Jehovah. Who is this Lord, this Yahweh? No way, I'm not going to let your people go. In fact, he says, you guys are just trying to be lazy and get some extra holiday or vacation. In fact, I'm going to make your people even more oppressed because what they did is they made their bricks out of straw well, he said, you know what? Now we're not going to provide your people the straw to make the bricks. They've got to go find their own straw to make their bricks, but we're still going to demand the same bricks. In other words, we want 80 bricks a day. We gave you the straw to make the bricks out of the clay to make the 80 bricks. Now we're not going to provide you the straw, but you still got to make 80 bricks. Is that fair? Not at all. And the Israelites are like, what? Are you insane? And the Pharaoh goes, tells the foreman, they got to go find their own straw. This makes me mad. Who is this Moses guy coming in and telling us that we want to leave, asking his people to go, no way. In fact, I'm going to make your land harder. And the Israelites, instead of getting mad at Pharaoh, you know who they get mad at? Moses and Aaron. You know, sometimes when God asks you to do something, everything works out, but it may not. You may find an obstacle. 
but I want to encourage you, if God's asked you to do it, and you know that, keep going through that obstacle, because Moses is faced with the people. They're like, you made us stink. We are mad. We're not going to do what you want. We are so mad. It says their spirit was broken. And Moses, instead of getting mad at the people, you know what he does? He turns to God. He says, God, what should I do? What should I do? And again, when you're facing obstacles, don't look to man. Turn to God. Pray, Lord, what should I do, God? What should I do? And he prays, and God says, he says this, you have not seen what I'm going to do yet. Just hang on for the ride, Moses. I want you to go back in there, and I want you to talk to Pharaoh again. And Moses is like, all right. So he goes back in with Aaron and his brother, and he goes, let my people go. And Pharaoh says, no. And Moses says, all right. He gives his rod to Aaron. Aaron takes the rod, throws it on the ground, and it becomes a snake. And he's like, whoa, wow, look at that. That would be amazing, right? Well, the Egyptians had their own magicians, their own wise men, as they call them. And they took their sticks and they threw them on the ground, and they became snakes as well. Now, was this a magic trick? Was it demonically inspired? I don't know, but they were like, hey, look at that. We can do the same thing. Well, not as cool, because the snake that came out of Aaron's rod ate them all up, devoured them, and they're like, whoa, this is weird. And then he poured the water on the ground, and it turned into blood, and and they were saying, Pharaoh, let my people go. And Pharaoh said, no, I will not. And it should have been a sign when his snake ate all the other snakes that he should have let his people go, but he didn't listen. And then Moses said, my God is going to show signs to you that you need to let my people go. So he leaves. Now, every morning the Pharaoh would get up and one of the gods that they worshipped was a river. Can anybody remember the name of the river? The Nile. They worshipped the Nile. And they would probably go and put a sacrifice in the river. And Pharaoh gets up and goes to the Nile. And as he comes to the Nile, Moses is standing there with a staff in his hand and Aaron on his side. And he says, let my people go. And Pharaoh's like, no way. And... Aaron, it says, takes his rod, slaps the water, and it turned blood red. The whole of the Nile, all the tributaries, all the little rivers, all the little creeks turned blood red. Not only that, the fish in the river couldn't breathe anymore because it became, whether it looked like blood or became blood, the fish were like, oh, and they flipped over and died and began to stink. And the people couldn't. This was a major source of revenue. You ate the fish. You drank the water. They loved the Nile, and now it was useless. It said they began to dig, to try to get springs to come up under the land because they were dying of thirst. And for seven days, it just was like this. And Moses was like, let my people go. And Pharaoh was like, no, I'm not going to let them go. So then he comes to him again, and he says, if you don't, let my people go. We're going to send frogs. Frogs all over this land. You better let my people go. 
And Pharaoh says, no, I'm not going to let your people go. Who is this Jehovah? Well, Moses warned him. It says he used the staff of God. And guess what? The next day, Pharaoh gets up. He goes to wash his face in the sink and ribbit, ribbit, ribbit. There's a frog in the sink. He goes to use the toilet bowl, opens it up, and woo, out jumps four, five, six frogs. He's like, ah! They're everywhere. It said there were so many of them that people were stepping on them. Can you imagine going bathroom in the dark and you're stepping on frogs? It says they'd even got in the dough. They're kneading it. And, you know, you go to bake and there's a frog. Their frogs were everywhere. Would you be afraid to find a frog in your bed? How about four, five, six frogs in your bed? I mean, we're talking, I got scared yesterday. I saw a little mouse. That freaked me out in my room, let alone 10 frogs in my room. I mean, they covered the land. And Moses was like, let my people go. And Pharaoh said, I'm not going to let them go. And then Pharaoh said, could you please get rid of the frogs, Moses? Could you please? And Moses said, all right. I'll get rid of the frogs. In fact, my God's so gracious, you pick. When do you want the frogs gone? And Pharaoh said, well, how about tomorrow? And Moses is like, all right, I'll get rid of the frogs tomorrow. Except the river. So all the frogs stayed in the river, and the frogs all died. But it said it stank so bad, they had to shovel piles of frogs out of the way. Bushels, baskets, dumping them. They had frog recycling centers. I mean, it was everywhere. Frogs, frogs, frogs. The first two, he warned them. If you don't let my people go, river's going to turn to blood. Frogs are going to be everywhere. The third plague, literally in the Hebrew, it's stroke. The third stroke. The third plague. Moses didn't warn him. It's fed. He threw up dust in the air. All these little particles of dust turned into what we would call lice. You know what lice are? Lice are nasty. But this, I guess in Egypt, is a particularly nasty lice that gets in your nostrils and their ears and it stings. And it's everywhere. Can you imagine? And it's all over the place. So the next day he goes to Pharaoh again. Lice is everywhere. And he's like, oh, please. And Moses is like, let my people go. And Pharaoh goes, no, I'm not going to let your people go. I'm not going to let them go. Then he warns him again. If you don't let my people go, there's going to come biting flies. The word is dog flies. In fact, there's like a whole bunch of different flies within these flies. They're going to swarm all over this land. But you know, up to this point, Pharaoh's like, my magicians have been copying what you're doing. When he turned the water into blood, his magicians did the same thing. They didn't turn back the plague, but they did the same thing. When he made all these frogs appear, his magicians did the same thing. He's like, you know what? Your God's no big deal. On the fourth plague, when all these biting flies show up, he goes, they're going to be all over the land of Egypt except where my people live. Where was that again? Goshen. 
where Goshen is, where my people are, they're not going to have these flies. To show you that Jehovah is God, the one true God. Remember I told you the deities of the land, the river, and the sky. Well, the first place they attacked was the river, right? They showed, hey, your God's nothing. Now all these flies, the next day, show up. And again, these are nasty. We're talking swarms of flies of various kinds that bite. And they were everywhere except in the land of Goshen. God's people were safe. God's people were taken care of. And these flies just inhabited the land and they ate the crops and they ate things. And and he goes, Pharaoh, let my people go. And still Pharaoh says, no. And then he warns them, all right, if you don't let my people go, the fifth plague, all your cattle are going to die. All your livestock. Pharaoh, listen to me. Let my people go. And Pharaoh's like, no. And the next day, cattle just start dropping like flies, literally. They just start falling over. Now, they worshipped the ox and the cow in Egypt. So here he is attacking various deities and letting him know, you know what, your God's nothing. Your God's nothing. Your God's nothing. The one true God is Jehovah. I am that God. And their cattle started to die And then he comes to the sixth plague, and again, he doesn't warn them. It just happens. Boils on everybody, except the people of Israel. All the cattle died, except the people of Israel. The sixth plague is these boils. Now, a boil is like, you ever seen like a big zit on somebody, you know? It's like that, but much bigger and nastier and pussy and you're like oh and it's all over them and they were saying it's itchy and scratchy these people were covered with boils and pharaoh was covered with boils and he's like all right moses i'll I'll let your people go like i'll just let your men go if we can keep the women and the children and the cattle and moses is like no that wasn't the deal i want all my people to go and pharaoh starts to try to rationalize them and they're covered with boils he says please take it away and Will you let my people go? Pharaoh goes, no. So then the seventh plague, he is a gracious God. And he comes to Pharaoh and he says, this plague's bad. We've just been messing around with nature. Now he's messing around with cattle. You know, this is a gracious God. He could have in the first place, when Moses and Aaron first met Pharaoh, they could have said, let my people go. No. And Moses could have turned around and go, killed 40 people with his lightsaber. You know what I'm saying? He could have totally blown people up, right? And if you're Pharaoh, you would have gone, all right, okay, okay, go, go, all right. No, he gives the people time to repent. He wants them to choose him. Slowly over time, they keep hardening their heart. And he goes, this plague's bad. Get your cattle under roof. Don't be in the field. Because when this hits tomorrow, it's going to be bad. So if you feared this Yahweh, even though there are 80 other gods you could have feared, the God-fearing Egyptian, they took their cattle under the roof. They went into the garage. They didn't go to work, if they're, especially if they're outside. They stayed indoors. Because the next day, 
hail came down. We're talking bigger than golf ball sized hail. It ripped through trees. It destroyed crops. This hail came out of nowhere, but it wasn't just hail. It was thunder, boom, like they never heard before. And it was lightning, hail, thunder. And it said if any Egyptian was out in the field and they got hit by that hail, they were dead. Any cattle, they were dead. But you know what? The word lightning there, it was literally, the idea is balls of fire. Hail. I was in a hailstorm this past summer, and it totally destroyed all the farmers around us, their crops. And we're talking little hail like this. It totally shattered my front window. It totally ruined the siding on my house. And we're talking hail this big for only about an hour. This lasted all day. Thunder, lightning, hail, balls of fire. You were dead if you were outside. Moses warned him. Pharaoh still says, I'm not going to let my people go. He tries to bargain. Then he says, you know what? If you don't let my people go tomorrow, what's left? We're going to send swarms of locusts. Do you know what a locust is? It's sort of like a grasshopper, but meaner and tougher. You know, it's like, and these locusts came the next day and it said it darkened the sky. They couldn't even see because the locusts. And remember, the hail took out all the crops. They lost a lot of their livestock. But anything that was left, these locusts just came in and devoured it all. And Pharaoh was like, please. Moses, all right. And he tried to rationalize him. Okay, if you will just get rid of it, I'll, I'll let you go. And Moses said, all right, if you let my people go. And time and time again, Pharaoh said, all right, your people can go. And then the next day when Moses took away the plague, he took it all back. And Moses said, all right, I'll take away these locusts. And it said that the next day they were gone. And then the ninth plague. He doesn't give them a warning. It just happened. The next day... How many of you are afraid of the dark? How many of you are afraid to walk around the woods at night? Hey, that's me, okay? I'm afraid of the dark. I am the world's biggest chicken. I'm pretty much afraid of animals, and I'm afraid of the dark, okay? I like lights on, but especially when you're wandering around these woods at night and it's dark, aren't you worried who's in there, what's watching you, what's going to come out and get you? Well, on the ninth plague, it says darkness covered the whole land except for the land of the Israelites had all the light and they could dance all day and have fun, but in Egypt. But it wasn't just dark. Because you know sometimes you have the moon and it's sort of light and you can see. Dark, dark, dark. It was so dark. I once went to a cave. Anybody been inside a cave and they turned the lights out? You can't even see your hand in front of you, can you? It is so dark. Literally, the Hebrew seems to imply that they could feel the darkness. It was so bad, people didn't even get out of bed. They didn't leave their home. They were afraid to move. One of their biggest deities was the sun god. Here, this Jehovah God just wipes out their god. And it is dark, pitch black. Moses says, let my people go. And Pharaoh says, 
if you ever come into my presence again, I will kill you. You'd think after all these plagues, after seeing the mighty hand of God, Pharaoh would be like, all right, go, go. Your God is amazing. But his heart was hardened. He got angry at God. He didn't care. And finally he says to Moses, if you ever show up again, you are going to die. And Moses says, you know, you're right. I will never see your face again. Because the tenth plague is the scariest, most frightening plague you could ever imagine. And Moses knew what Pharaoh was facing. Moses said, you know what? I will never see your face again. Tomorrow we're going to find out what that tenth plague was. But I do want to say this. This is important to understand. God says, I am Jehovah. Follow me. Pharaoh said, no. Moses said, yes. And I want to ask you, are you going to follow Jehovah? Are you going to follow other gods? God sent his son, Jesus, to die on the cross for your sins. Some of you have heard this message over and over again. Now, I'm not saying the Lord's going to send you plagues because we have a gracious God. But at some point, you're going to have to make a decision. We live in a society where you have lots of different gods to choose from. But are you going to follow Jesus? He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. Think about it this week. Will you follow God? And choose to follow him all your days with all your heart? Or will you choose? Nah. I want to go this other way. You have that choice. I encourage you to make that choice. Follow Jesus. Baldhead Bible Podcast is created by Dr. John Katzian. Music composed and performed by Elijah Katzian. Edited by Lincoln Katzian. If you'd like to listen to more of Baldhead Bible Podcasts, please subscribe. New episodes added every week.